0: This is Inside Indie Games. Join us behind the scenes to see what it takes to create a great indie company and to craft the games that people long to play.
1: one of the really interesting things that we learned we got to go over to america to visit the microsoft offices it was crazy and uh, we got talking to them about some of the really cool stuff that we were doing and the advice that we got from everyone was that if you want to get vc investment make a really cool piece of tech that can be used in any game and then build a game on top of it and then if you want to get that vc funding tell them about the tech not the game
0: this is Gary McCartan who founded Pocket-Sized Hands along with a handful of his university classmates back in 2017. Gary's had to learn fast as he moved from being a games design student to running a games design company. His experiences so far mean he's got tons of invaluable info for others who want to follow the same path. One notable theme here is that the actual making of games is only one of the many tasks that make up his role now. So what other sorts of things occupy Gary's time at work? Well, let's take the recruiting of staff for starters, which has no small amount of responsibility. I kicked things off by asking him what he thought the hardest type of roles are to recruit.
1: Artists are the easiest because artists, you can look at their portfolio and you can see exactly what they've done. You know, you can see their capabilities straight away. know if you're looking for a certain type of artist whether it's 2d 3d or a generalist if they have a portfolio and that shows off that stuff then it's happy days you know um but at the same time if an artist is great they're going to be wanted everywhere you know so they're they're going to have a uh a wide selection of jobs to choose from but we've been really lucky with the artists that we had we we started out with the guys in um in university doing student projects and we've evolved from a student team into a company together. So, and they've been with us since the start and they're
0: absolutely amazing guys. So what was your, what was your first job in games then? Did you, did you come straight from uni into your own company? Yeah, but um, through uni I did
1: like little side projects mm-hmm. and the first project that I did was the first paid programming project that I did was awesome. It was, I was so excited for it was um, a piece for a exhibition. So it was an exhibition on uh, mothers and their babies and they wanted uh, a display which would show Instagram photos live but on a Polaroid with like the hashtag and maybe with some of the comments that people had said. So it was pretty much like a a live gallery. And if you were at that art gallery and like uploaded a photo of you and your kid with a certain hashtag, it would be added to that gallery and it would just keep rotating in a in a slideshow and i thought that was really fun really cool um big challenge we we had a a month to do it and it was one of those <laughs> things that i go back to say yeah we can do that in a month and uh it took a, a little bit longer not much longer but so was that you as part of a different team or was that you it was just an individual project yeah. me, me and my friends helped on it just yeah. uh together we worked together on it for about six weeks seven mm-hmm. weeks and mm-hmm. uh, it was just a lot of Lot of, that was our first time, you know. You could say working with a client, and uh, it was a, it was a learning experience. <laughs> what, what did you What did you learn most from that? Do you think? Um, just to, just to have, I think the main thing in that if you're working with clients is to have everything down from the start. You know, make sure you know there's no misconception of what can be done, um, and make sure that, that people know exactly what the end product is going to look like, you know? And, you know, I think the 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 main thing with that project was it was a Windows project. So we were making it for a Windows tablet and everything like that. And at the very end, the client said to us, you know, can this work in an iPad? And, you know, that should have been something that we took up from the start, you know, because because we made it specifically for Windows. It couldn't, but if that was something that was made clear at the start and we made clear at the start, that you know what platforms did it want to be on or whatnot. Um that that could have been something we could have worked towards. But we took like the brief and stuck with it really. Um and I that was that would be my big change is just trying to trying to delve deeper into more about that what the client actually wants. It's worth the time spent at the start. Yeah definitely all of that right yeah. now. Yeah. But yeah, no, that was my first project. You know, it was It's nothing that nobody was unhappy with. Like, um, it was just one of those questions that came up at the end, which really took me, took me (laughs) back. Um, And I'm grateful for it. Like, it was
0: such a, such a fun project. Yeah. Is, is client work a big part of an indie studio's uh, life cycle? Like, I'd imagine when you start an indie studio, your dream is to make, you know, your own games, that kind of thing, your own ideas. How does client work figure into that? Yeah, client, client part is massive, you know. Um,
1: we came out of university, we had a great team. We had like a, a project that we were working on that won a couple of awards. Um, like it won a couple of different competitions as well. And just, we were really excited. We had a real big drive with this project. And, you know, eventually when we got out, we started talking to publishers about it. And then that's when we hit a wall you know the publishers loved it they thought it was great but just didn't have the experience for them to invest any money into um, and so the client work has really become a key part of what we do um, and client work's great it's fantastic client work is like a massive game jam you know someone gives you an idea and you have to bring it to life it's it's pretty f- pretty fun pretty challenging and um, it comes with its own unique challenges which i really like uh, and i think that if you're an indie studio and you're coming out into the real world, like try to um, not forget about your game, but make sure that your game isn't the only thing that you're thinking about. Like, make sure that you're finding stability somewhere. Because uh, the unfortunate world about game development is that money is a big part of it. You know, if you don't have money to pay artists, they're going to go somewhere else and work.
0: That must have been quite um, frustrating. So creating your own game, winning awards for that game. So knowing it's good, like in peer reports that it's good, but failing to get funding for it. What what was that process like? No, it was great. Like, we loved
1: it. Like, you know, um, it's not like it was a big negative or anything for us, you know, it's just... Part of the learning experience, you know, we never really expected to get publishers or anything like that. But it was just part of one of the competitions. It was actually Transfuser that we were in that we got talking to publishers, um and it was not something that we really expected. It just came out of the blue. So I think it was it was cool. I think if the game had been a little bit more polished as well, that might have helped. But a, a, again, at the end, it was just the experience that really let us down and. Uh, I think that's why they, they, we, I wouldn't say missed out on that funding opportunity, but that's why that funding opportunity wasn't right for us at that time. You weren't ready for it. I thought we were ready for it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I can see why other people would, you know, it's it's a big risk. It's a big investment for them. And, you know, they want to secure that risk in any way possible. And if you're a team that doesn't have any solid proof or experience, then that's hard for them to give you an investment, no matter how many awards you've won. I think one of the big problems with us was the game that we were making was that it was a VR game. Uh, VR is obviously very niche. um, And when you go to a publisher with a niche game, it's even more difficult to get that finance out of them. Mm -hmm
0: so you did get UK games funding then is that right yeah well we got um, help
1: through Transfuser um, and Transfuser was absolutely brilliant experience for us you know it was the first time outside of university where we were working together where we could say okay five days a week we're here full time let's start making our game it's kind of helped us sort of grind ourselves as well you know in terms of you know, what we want to do as a business Um and really helped with getting an understanding of it's not just about making a game it's about making a making the whole thing work when i left university i felt i could make any game you wanted um especially with the guys that we've got uh um but the the company side of things was just you know never done it before never made a company before never started a company before and it's, uh, you jump in the deep end and you, uh, you learn a lot about it really quickly. That's been the hardest part. Um, and it's the part that you just have to jump in and, t- whatever task comes at you you have to do it like some days you're not even working on programming you're not even working on a game you'll end up at the end of the day and you feel like you've done nothing but sit at a computer and do emails all day it's just you know it's it's a completely different world and it's a, it's a really fun world though if you're a programmer and in an indie studio you know you get to jump in and work on every bit and part of the project and you really feel a part of that project but when you're owning a business, it's so much more than that because you're programming and you're doing all that stuff as well. But then there's an a, an additional level where you're making meetings, you're talking to clients, you're trying to get work in, you're trying to find out where your next bit of financing is coming in from. And that, uh, like you say, it's it's a
0: pretty, pretty, pretty big game. So it does enough VC exist for games or funding in general? uh so specifically vc and um, from what we've learned
1: for a game for content creation no um uh, if you're going to be a games company and you want people to fund your ideas and your content that's the type of thing that you're going to have to go to publishers for maybe an angel investor who can be really on board with what you do but for a vc the, it's not the type of thing that they go for like yeah we were part of a competition um called the imagine cup and we went to america and we had we had our really cool game and it was really awesome um and we showed it off and kind of when we seen the competition as the competition progressed it kind of clicked what they were looking for and it was the tech you know it wasn't the game it wasn't uh anything like that it was okay what's the underlying tech and how can we repurpose this and that's what a VC looks for as well.
0: On the finances side of things, you uh, is a p- big part of your job bringing in funding just now, or yeah,
1: um, like? so just looking for our next client. Um, mm. You know, um, we're still not at a stage where we can fully fund our own development. Um, so, client work is a big part of what we do. Um, we're current. We've worked with an architecture company for the last six months, making a really cool visualization tool in VR. Um, and that's been really exciting and we're hoping to do some more work with them in a follow-up project uh, um, we've just signed on to a contract with Cambridge University to make a, a game about stem cells um, and looking into the misconceptions that people may have about stem cell research and showing you what it's the life of a scientist is like so that's going to be really, really fun to work on That's cool How do you How do you tend to source your client work? How does it come to you? This is what everyone asks. And this is the question that everybody shrugs their shoulders at because it's not a clear answer. You know, there could be, you know, looking back to some of the clients that we've had, some of them were a simple, they got us through our website. Some of them were, we went to this event, we met this person, this person introduced us to them. And this person, this person who we got introduced to at that event, then knew about this bit of work that was going on. And, you know, so networking is 100% main part of it. Like you need to, to, to go out and make friends, um, and let people know a bit about what you're doing. You know, if people know you're the VR guys, you're wanting to make VR work, um, or wanting to do VR projects. That uh, if they know about you and a VR project comes up, that could come your way. You know, it's no, there is no right answer for that. Have you found any particular kinds of events
0: most productive?
1: i guess some of the advice that we've gotten has helped a little bit is it's try and go to the events that no one else thinks about mm. you know if you go to an event and you're the only game developer there that can be a bit of a head start yeah. Um 'cause because you get talking to people directly about maybe ideas that they're looking into and if there's no other game developers there then it c- does give you a wee bit of a head start on um trying to get some work in
0: so certainly less games related events and actually completely different industries then
1: yeah like games the tech that we use is completely transferable into everything else and games is such a massive medium now people are looking into games for so many different avenues like mm. the ar tech we can use for visualization you know whether that's in factories in offices or anywhere like that the vr tech you can look at things like simulations and um, training and um, even just experiences or um tourism is another big one that's really uh, booming right now and um, and of course, the stuff that we're really interested in and kind of specialized a little bit in is the educational side of things. Looking at making educational games that uh, that have a bit of a, a wide appeal, but at the same time have a really core message to it.
0: Have you got like an example of something that you guys um, didn't do well or you messed up that you, you could have done better, that you learned something from? uh
1: i guess i wouldn't say like we've got any regrets or anything like that of things that we've done but every day is a learning process you know i, I don't think there's well, at the start there's not really a right or wrong answer about what you're doing um and i can give an example like one of our first clients was with st andrews making a, a really cool ar game um that helped teach about stress within the body and they used it at science festivals um to teach kids at these different stations throughout the festival different different aspects of stress in the body and that was really awesome and it was really cool um but the budget for it was a little bit lower and i think because it was our first project we put so much more into it than we probably should have um uh and you know coming back to that sort of right or wrong like was it was it right that we put more into it or was it wrong but like as our first project it's really helped us out you know and mm-hmm. um, it was really great work that we did with st andrews the the guys there were great um and the game was pretty fun too. And getting to show it off at science festivals across the UK was just, it mm. was pretty crazy. Yeah, um,
0: yeah. So good came out of it.
1: Yeah. So yeah. good came out of it. Like, you know, but at the same time you think back and maybe now, like if you think, okay, would you do the same type of work for the same type of budget? It'd, it'd, you'd have to say no. But um, at the time it was, which was the
0: right answer. On the other hand, what what do you think has been your biggest success so far? I guess, I guess just the team we've got, like, I think, um, you know, building the team from
1: uh university and keeping all the guys together has been awesome. Like we work really well together. It's, you know, it's, you know, I think they all understand the lifestyle now of a small business. You know, if they come in one day, you know, um, they know not to expect to be working on one thing, (laughs) you know, it's a lot of jumping about and everyone's really on board with that and everyone's, really enjoying what we're doing. And, uh, you know, it's great that we have a whole team that are just trying to make this work. We're quite laid back. Um, in that we'll try and figure out what people want to work on, what people want to work on, what's their interest. You know, if they're a character artist, you know, are they going to be doing character art? Maybe they come in and they're like, I want to try something new. And, and, you know, you move them onto a project that helps with that. Mm -hmm. Um, Keep them in. Keep keep people updated in the what the business is actually doing and where you're going, what your thoughts are, how things are working out for you. Is, um, making all that transparent as well really gets people on board and can motivate people. Um, to know that what they're doing really makes a difference.
0: Do you have an area of the industry you'd like to be sort of specialised in? You've mentioned education as well. I mean, that's always been, uh, you know, an area where people have said Educ- educational games, that's going to break out. But I don't know. If, do you feel like it's reached its potential yet?
1: Not really. I think uh, I think a great educational game is one where you don't realise that you're actually learning anything. Um my go-to example when people talk about these type of games is Crusader Kings 2. It's a very in-depth RPG board game game, which has just got a crazy learning curve. I don't expect anyone to play it after this, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's just uh, a really, for, for the people who enjoy that type of game, it's really, really fun, really interesting, but it's got a lot of accurate historical events that happen throughout the game and you just sort of pick up on them and you learn them um, and that's really cool. Hmm. Uh, And it it does it really well. I think it does it really cool um, in a way that you don't even realise what's going on. And I think that type of strategy with educational games is what we would like to emulate, where you're playing a really fun game and you
0: forget that it's an educational game completely. Do you think it's important for a company like yourself, an indie company particularly, to specialise in the early days or at any point? It's difficult to say because, you know
1: you could, you could try and specialize like, this is some of the advice that we've got is that if you're going to specialize, if someone comes in and if you like for an example, let's say you want to be a VR company and somebody comes in with a mobile game, do you turn it down? And if that, you know, contract is worth 50 K, what do you do? Like, do you turn it down or do you, because you know, you don't want to work on a, you want to specialize in VR or do you take it because you know, that's a couple of months worth of income. Mm I know that's the question you got to ask yourself. And I think at the start, like, sure, try and get a specialty, try and get your name out there. I think you should just be open to opportunities.
0: Yes. Okay. What about, so you've talked a few times about publishing your own games, about getting them published. What is it like? trying to get a published a game published these days is it is it a complex process i think
1: getting the game published is easy mm-hmm. um you know we've got things like steam mm-hmm. steam is uh the great way to get to customers you know it's just a storefront where everything goes through um and to be honest like the people at valve uh and places like sony and microsoft as well if you get their your game on their platform if anyone buys that game, that's money for them. So they're really helpful as well. Um, so I th- think like from the start, again, just going back to networking, try and get like, if you have uh, meet people at these events from these companies, just try and get to know them. Um, they'll really help out when it comes to, if you need a bit of kit, a bit of hardware or a bit of advice on getting a game onto their platform, then they'll, they'll be there to help you out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, the publishing side of things is really easy i think th- the next step from that is marketing you know and that's the hard part is getting to people know about your
0: game and that uh, can be can be tough uh, you know we what have you seen work so far in that idea
1: i think for anyone who's indie is getting a community from the, gr- the from day one get the people that play your game really interested in like the development of the game and you know get them coming back and really interested about maybe the new features that you're bringing out get them and get them involved in like requesting new features asking for new features you know if they, if they see something in the game that that was a suggestion by them that's that's only going to fuel the fire um and start talking to your community i think that's the the big one for any indie company who doesn't really have a big marketing budget is start talking
0: is it frustrating at times to work in such a uh, subjective industry uh, no, um, for me, no. Personally, like you know, you
1: got to you've got to accept that pretty early on that it's that you know everyone says that your first game is going to be a failure. Um, you know, every book that you read, every blog that you read, every internet video that you watch says that expect your first game to not do as well as you thought it would do. And I think it's about building stability to do really what you want to do. You know, if you have a steady cash flow coming in from contract work, you can make as many games as you want and just be happy.
0: Is there anything you wish somebody had told you when you started out right at the beginning of the journey? For programming? Lots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't do multiplayer games.
1: A, Why is that? Oh, that's a whole new challenge. It's, it's a really fun challenge, but um, debugging multiplayer stuff is just crazy, you know. Um, multiplayer is just, if, if any if anyone comes and asks me how long does it take to a multiplayer game, it's at least four times longer um is that just because there's a lot more variables to it yeah definitely and it's it's just uh when you're trying to get two computers to communicate what seems simple at the start can be a bit of a rabbit hole when you go down into it and you can get lost and um, but it's a lot of fun and once you get your head around it it's a lot of fun as well um, in terms of the company um and i i think we've been lucky like we've had mentors along the way who have directed us and really helped us and really gave us a good idea of where we needed to be and what we needed to do. Um, what type of mentors have you had? We had a great mentor who helped us in the game side of thing. Um, it was Billy Thompson who mm. works at Ruffian now and mm. he's worked on tons and tons of games. Uh, he's like one of the guys who worked in the original GTA and to have him as a mentor was just Insane. And it was great. It was absolutely brutal, but great. Um we'd done something that we were really proud of and really awesome. It was a trailer for one of the projects that we were working on. And we sent it to Billy for feedback. And the feedback was just a list of what could be better. And uh, you know, it's kind of kind of heartbreaking, but at the same time, you kind of like a light bulb moment where you're like Okay. I've been looking at this from the development side of things. I need to start looking at this from a, um, a gamer point of view. Um, the people that are going to play the game, what are they going to think about it? Mm -hmm. And trying to think more about the message that we try to convey in games. And, uh, it was a really good, you know, kick in the right direction. So. Where did you source your mentors? Um, So Billy came through university. He was a mentor in one of our student projects at university. And then uh, we've got another couple of business mentors, which has been really invaluable, who came through Transfuser. Um, Colin and Mal, they've, uh, you know, um, we never really had a business mentor before them um, directly. and Never really had a business mentor. Like we've worked with Business Gateway and Elevator. um, And those guys have been great as well. And anyone who's starting up a business needs to get in touch with Business Gateway because, especially if you know nothing, they'll uh, they'll point you in the right direction. Have you taken many new people on recently? Yeah, we've taken a couple. Um, so we, uh, apart from our original team, um, we've got we've had in the last year four employees, which has been awesome
0: have you learned over those four people and more, other others in your team as well what kind of, what the best advice is when you first come into this, like what do you tell your new employees when they first start uh, I th- I, you know it,
1: it's hard for an indie company like, and uh, we normally just sit down, have a chat try and get them out for a couple of beers um, and just try and get them on board with our mentality as quick as possible, where it's hey, you're going to be working on this today, but tomorrow it might be something else. That's what makes a really enjoyable workplace is where people kind of have an idea of what's going on, you know, um, but if you're constantly jumping from one place to the other with no real direction, um, but if you can give them a little bit of meaning into that, and uh, then then it helps.
0: Is there anything you think that new companies tend to do wrong? Anything that you see them doing wrong? In in games, like I think the
1: some of the companies that we've met throughout the like who were in our same position and starting up in the same of us, uh, if you know you're not able to get that publisher in or that funding in, um, you know some people f- tend to focus on their game too much, um, and that's not a bad thing. Some for some people it works. But often people forget about like the bigger picture, the finances. You know, how are we going to fund ourselves for a year? How like this might be a three-year project. How are we going to fund ourselves for that three years? Um, you know, maybe just waiting for that magic bullet to come and hit them. Um, and I think like going back to one of my earlier points that if you if you look at the client work early on, it's going to really help you in the long run. Is there anything you'll do differently? Do you think in the next year or two? Uh. Yeah, like I think in terms of the business side of things, I think we're we're starting to get uh, a good strong grasp of what needs to be done. Um, we've just recently revamped our website to make it a, a lot more attractive to people. Um, you know, we're um, we're going to talk a lot more about some of the projects that we've been doing, um, especially with some of the clients that we've been working with, uh, and just try and get our name out there a little bit more. And that's going to be hopefully the big key for us in bringing in that next client
0: Thanks for listening to the first season of Inside Indie Games and I've got just one ask for you just now find us on Twitter at UKGamesFund and tell us who you want to hear on a future episode we'll do our best to track them down and bring them on and if you want to find out more about us too hop over to UKGamesFund.com